0: Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Well, tonight we're going to talk about something that uh, is uh, just a a way of reminding you, just putting you at, your know, attention on something that is an important thing, I believe, in our lives. And the word here for tonight is distraction. We're going to talk about distractions. So what, is it, what does it mean to distract? It means to divert as the mind or attention. And a distraction is that which will amuse, entertain, and divert. You know, the purpose when it comes to the life that we live, the purpose of the distractions that come into our lives is to take our eyes, our attention, our focus, our energy, our resources from that which is most profitable for us and for the plan that God has for you and your life. That's what distractions are all about. Lois Toucher made this statement. She said, the enemy can't plan your destruction he can plan your distraction now that's pretty good isn't it you know he he can he can try to plan your distraction. he put things out there that could possibly bring destruction in your life but he can always plan distractions has anybody been there besides me you know where distractions just come and you just like you turn around a little while later and you go what happened well the plan was this this and this but here I sit you know, because I let this, this, and this distract me. Well, you know, in the Bible, we've got lots of examples of people who got distracted. Well, first of all, we can look at Lot. If you want to look at Genesis 19, we won't read all of these stories, you know, these accounts. But just want you to, to, to look at some of these. And you know what? People are people. No matter what generation, no matter what age, you know, no matter what country, no matter what what culture, people are people the same all over, you know. And so, when I see these accounts of these people in the Old Testament, and we'll talk about some in the, in the New Testament, I, you know, you, you just understand that I'm just like they are, with the potential to be distracted by the same kinds of things you know, all over. And so here we have the story of Lot. Now, Lot, as you know, Abraham and Lot were together with herds that were huge. And uh, they became so great in numbers that they were, you know, there was dissension between Lot and and his servants and Abraham and his servants. There was dissension amongst the people who were there maybe not so much between just abraham and lot but between their the people that worked for them and, and the households there and so you know lot chose to go down to sodom and take his take his group down down that direction but unfortunately lot did not maintain the kind of life with god that he needed to he he became distracted and if you look here in chapter 19 verse 1 you're going to see exactly what happened here to him. And it says, There came two angels to Sodom at evening, and Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. Now, just in and of itself, that doesn't seem so bad. Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. Well, what you need to know is that when you're sitting in the place that he was sitting at the gate, it was a place of position, a place of... um, I don't know necessarily if I want to call it notoriety, but there was a place that he held held an important place when you sat at the gate like that. And so for me, when I see this, what it tells me is that just because Lot and Abraham had to go their separate ways did not disannul the plan that God had for Lot. He had a plan for good for him. And yet when he gets to Sodom and Gomorrah, suddenly his interest is taken over by making a name for himself amongst the city, by being respected amongst the, the people there. You know, it's kind of like the, the big fish in a little pond kind of syndrome that some people have, you know. You know what he, he wasn't the main man when he was with Abraham. Ah, but now he's in Sodom. And he can he can find that place where everybody looks up to him. You know, you know there's, that's, that's a, that is a tactic of the enemy, a strategy the enemy could bring into some people's lives. I, you know, I, I look at some of our uh, 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 elected officials when they go to Washington. And, uh, you know, there, I know there are people who go there with the best of intentions, with a heart, you know, to do what's right for the country. For do what's right for the people back home and there in their districts, for their constituents. And it seems that so many times from all outward appearances, they get up there and integrity eventually goes by the wayside because position becomes the distraction in their lives and they'll do whatever it takes to maintain it. I want somebody there who will stand up and be a person of integrity I want somebody that will stand up and do what's right, even in the face of opposition from other people on their part. You know, if God put it in their heart to serve, then God has a way to get them there, to keep them there, and to keep them on track. But when you get distracted by power, that was what they say, power corrupts. Absolutely. Uh, I, you know, I, I, heard somebody, another minister talk one time and tell me about a trip that they had made to Washington and said that they got there and just suddenly just like, this, this is all over this, this heaviness just kind of came all over them because it just, there was just so much seemingly oppression, you know, there in, in that area. And you know, you can, you can kind of see some of that. It's, Politics is not something that we ever look at as something really wonderful. You know, politicians are not real high up on our favored list most times of uh, occupations. And yet somebody has to do it. And God's got people that he has given that assignment to. But if they get up there and they get distracted by power, prestige, notoriety, they will never fulfill the plan that God has for them to be in that place, which involves you and me. See, there's always a plan God's got for your life, but your plan will always involve somebody else. And that's the enemy is after the plan for you, but he's also after the part of that plan that affects other people. And so you see that. That's where Lot was. Now, in Judges 7, hallelujah, I know this is probably not shouting time tonight, but, you know, if you'll pay attention, you know, God will talk to you about some things. Hallelujah. Chapter 7, here you've got Gideon. You know, he's going to go out against the Midianites. And uh, the Lord Lord tells him he he gathers together 32,000 people. Well, now that seems like a pretty good-sized army. And yet, in verse 3, it says, Now therefore go to, proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and afraid, let him return and depart early from Mount Gilead. And there returned of the people 20 and 2,000, and there remained 10,000. Well, here you have lost the vast bulk of the army you're going out with. Why? They got distracted by fear. You know, when God sends you on a mission, when God sends you out on an assignment, fear will always try to come and distract you from fulfilling that thing. It could be fear of, I'm not able, I'm not capable, this is too big a job for me, this is, I, 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 there's just no way, I don't have the resources, I don't understand, Lord, I, I, you can, you can, all kinds of things, fear of dying. I mean, you know, when, when God sends missionaries out to various places in the world. I suspect there are times when they wonder, you know, is this a good place for me to be going? But let me tell you, when God's in it, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to let the fear distract you from fulfilling the plan that God's sending you to fulfill. So so here he starts out with these people who fearful, fear fear distracts them from being able to do what God wanted them to do. I think God could have used all 32,000 of them. But these were people who were going to be a detriment to Gideon. If they got in the middle of a a fight and turned tail and run, you know, that wasn't going to help him at all. In fact, it was going to hurt him. And so, because you know what, when when people suddenly run from something, especially when it has to do with fear, what does it do? It generates fear in other people. You know, and, and so Gideon didn't need that. He didn't need the liability of these people who were fearful. He didn't need them to contaminate the rest of the people with that same fear. And so he just dealt with it right up front. Thank goodness the Lord leads in these kind of things. So then it goes on and it talks about how he, uh, the Lord told him to bring him down to the water. And, and it says in verse 4... Uh, It says that the Lord said to Gideon, The people are yet too many. Bring them down into the water, and I will try them for you there. And it shall be that of whom I shall say unto you, This shall go with thee, the same shall go with thee. And of whomsoever I say unto thee, This shall not go with you, then the same will not go. So he brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, Everyone that lapseth the water with his tongue as a dog laps, him shall you set by himself. Likewise, everyone who bows down upon his knee to drink. And the number of them that lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, were 300 men. But all the rest of the people bowed down upon their knees to drink water. What does that tell you? They were just distracted from being on guard in the area that they were in. They were more interested in slaking their thirst than they were in maintaining vigilance for the enemy. And so they sent them home. So he's left with 300, and as we know, the rest of the account is that 300 got the job done. In Judges 13, what a wonderful example this is, and something that we need to always be careful of. Judges 13, we're talking about Samson. Now, if you, if you follow these accounts where the Lord, the angel of God, appeared unto the parents... You know, there was, there was a specific plan for Samson's life. There was a specific instructions that the Lord gave to the parents in how they were to behave before he was born and how they were to behave after he was born. There was a mission that he had. But if you go on through the rest of the story, what you're going to find out is that Samson was distracted by one of the oldest things in the Bible, a woman. Well, you know, God gave woman to man to be a help, not to be a hindrance. But in this case, she became a hindrance. And if you read the entire account, you're, you're going to see that she was the instrument of his, demise, of his destruction. His ability to, to fulfill the plan of God for his life was suddenly at an end. You know, at, in the end of his life, you know, God gave him more victory in his death than he ever had in his life. But that was because he recognized where he missed it. You know, you can get distracted by things, but when you recognize where the distraction is, you can get back on track, and you can still wind up doing exactly what God wanted you to do. And in, in, uh, go with me to 2 Samuel chapter 11. 2 Samuel chapter 11. This is the story of David. And uh, verse 1, It came to pass after the year was expired at the time when kings go forth to battle, but David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Reba. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. Well, now, that whole phrase right there said tarried still indicates to me that he wasn't supposed to be there. He should have already gone to where the battle was. But in verse 2, it says, And it came to pass in an evening tide that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, he saw a woman washing herself, and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. And David sent and inquired after this woman. David, number one, wasn't where he was supposed to be. Wasn't where he was supposed to be. He wasn't supposed to be there. Now, When it came time that he was up on the roof and he was looking around and he spied this woman, he didn't need to take it any further. Being a man of God, what he should have done is he should have just turned his little self around and gone right back into the palace and left it alone. But no, no, he stood there. He took a nice long look, and then he went to find out some more information that he could get. On this particular day, you know what happened. You know after all this, you know it seems to me that so many times the enemy will use another person to distract a man or woman of God. You know, in varying ways, various times, and uh, David just gave into it. And look what happened. I mean, the succession of things that happened in his life. But, you know, at some point he got his act together and still he was, he's, we know him today as a man after God's own heart. Now, if you go on through his life and into his son's life, Solomon, oh, Solomon, a man of such great wisdom. He's the one who went to God or, or God came to him and said, what would you like? And he said, just wisdom that I could rule these people well. Wisdom. He was a man known far and wide for his wisdom. And yet, his, he got distracted by women again, again. But it wasn't just one. It was multiples. You know, I, I mean, pastor has a hard enough time keeping up with one. I don't know what Solomon did with all those women. <laughs> Dear Lord, you know, it just is ridiculous. I, when I think back, I'm going, why? 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 I mean, just because in that day you could have more than one wife. I mean, I mean, it was just an astounding number of wives and concubines that he had. You know, it was he. You know, I could say a lot, but I guess I won't. You know, but it, it ruined what God had planned. I mean, his his name, you know, is, is always going to be linked with that kind of compromise because he allowed himself to be distracted from what he was supposed to be doing. So distraction will always bring compromise if you let it. You know, if we can recognize it soon enough, you know, we can deal with it and get back on course. You know, at any point you can get back on, on course. But the thing about it is so many times distraction will, in the middle of, it, of a problem that comes with it leads us to think we have to fix it on our own. Instead of going back to the word, instead of going back to God and saying, help me, Lord, help me. You know, I, I know that just in, in cooking, there are certain things, you know, if, if I'm cooking and, and um, you know, say it's Thanksgiving, you know, and you've got all this stuff on the stove, you've got things in the oven, you've got, you got two or three things working on the stuff. There are certain things that have to have your attention. They have to have your attention, and there's other things that you can just put over here on the side and turn it down to a simmer. But you can't just totally ignore it, because if you do, it'll get ruined. And so many times, that's what we do. We there's something that comes along in our lives, and and we're and we're real familiar with it. Maybe we're really we're really just. This is e- an easy part of life. And so we kind of put it over here just kind of let it simmer, not realizing that you got to go back and check up on those kind of things. You can't get distracted from it. You know, it, there's nothing worse than suddenly smelling, uh, smelling and hearing an egg explode all over your kitchen. I've done that. You know, I put some eggs on to boil. In, in the kitchen, I went, go to the den and sit down, and I get distracted by something. And the next thing I know, there is this explosion in my kitchen where all the water had boiled out. There's nothing left in that pot. It's just eggs sitting on a burner, basically. And it got to a certain point where, man, it was not pretty. And it didn't smell good either. And the pot had to get thrown away. You know, that's, that's a result of getting distracted. Just, I mean, you can't do that when you're cooking. You know, if you can, if you can put it in a crock pot and turn that little baby on, you know, you, you can go do something else. You know, that, but, but if you've got something on the stove, you, you can't go far. You can't forget about it. You can't just say, oh, it'll take care of itself. No, it won't. What it will do is it will burn your house down at times, depending on what it is. At the very least, give you a huge mess to clean up and an air and a house that has to be aired out. But, you know, last week we were talking about faith and patience. You know, patience is, we get into a place where we're patient during a a time where we're just standing. You know, there's that time between the, the point at which you say, you know, I receive this, Lord. You know, I desire this. Thank you for it. You know, I receive. And the time that you actually see it manifest, patience is at work during all that time. Because you need to let patience, what we said last week, patience have her perfect work. Well, if you get distracted, then patience isn't working. Patience stops working when you get distracted. There is a place for us to be in, in such an area of, such a, a, a place of patience that we can not focus all of our energy on it anymore. We go, I know that's taken care of. God is working on that. And we can move on to something else and just continue to go back and go, thank you, Lord, it's working. Thank you, Lord, it's working. See, you know, it's, it's, it's thanksgiving is part of our patience level. If you're not thankful every time you think about it, you're going to get distracted by that issue because it's taking some time. You know, people get so distracted by the fact that it's taking too much time that then they go try to do something else. They try to make something happen. They try to figure it out on their own because, well, this is just taking too long. Too long, Lord. And they wind up with something that's not what God intended. But when you're patient, when you're walking in the patience that God's got for you, and it's available to us, if you're walking in that kind of patience, then every time you think about something, it doesn't matter how long it is, you just say, thank God, thank God it's working. Thank God my answer is on its way. Thank God I have it now. You know, I, I just find myself in that place a lot these days. You know, thank God it's working. Thank God it's working. Thank God it's working. I'm not going to get so distracted by it that I'm going to take the care of it anymore. You know, and that's what happens a lot of times is we get so distracted by the timing of, that suddenly we're into care. We're into a, into a place where we just like, I don't know how this is going to work, you know, and it keeps you awake at night. When you, when, the, when you wake up during the middle of the night just to get up and go get a drink of water or whatever, the first thing that comes in your, your brain is, how's this going to work? How's this going to work? How's this going to work? You see, if the enemy can keep you distracted that way, he will keep you from receiving what God intends for you to have. And so I found myself that doing that one time. I got up in the middle of the night. Well, it wasn't too far into the middle of the night. It was about around 2 o'clock in the morning. And, and I thought, you know, I've had enough of this disruption of my sleep. I've had enough, and so that morning, I got up, came back to bed, and immediately, my mind wanted to go down this particular road, and I went, no, I'm not going there. I'm not doing this. I am going back to sleep. Thank you, Lord. That's taken care of, and you know what? That's keeping your focus. That's keeping yourself where you need to be, and it it really, it, it brings a lot of peace back into your life. When when you get back into that place of patience, it brings a lot of peace. You don't have to you don't have to fret over it. You don't have to be concerned about. It. Just thank you, Lord. You've got it. You've got it. Over in um, in in um, areas where I can show you some people who didn't get distracted, is if Noah. If you look over in the in the fifth chapter of Genesis, look at Noah. God's told him to build a boat. What's a boat? Well, rain's coming. What's rain? And there are his neighbors who come out going, what you doing, Noah? I'm building a boat. And he's got these huge dimensions that he's been given. And they're looking at him going, what in the world are you doing? It takes him 100 years to build this boat. Don't you think there was plenty of opportunities to get distracted during that 100 years by people? You know, the enemy will send people your way when you're believing God for something, who'll say, what are you doing that for? What do you mean you're believing God for that? What does that mean anyway? I mean, what do you mean believing God? Or then there's people who are believers who will say, oh, really? Are you really seriously? You're going to believe God for what? You're going to do what? And they will try to talk you out of it. You know, Noah refused to let himself get distracted. Day after day. Can you imagine we spend five years on something and we just go, oh, how long, how long, how long is this going to take? Here's a man who spent a 100 years working the plan of God and did not get distracted from what God had told him to do. I think that's truly amazing. A man of the Old Testament. He just, this is what God said, do. This is the plan he gave me. I'm following to the letter. Nope, you're not going to talk me out of it. No, you're not going to ridicule me out of it. No, you're not going to do this. You're not going to do that. No, I'm just going to keep on doing what I'm doing. Just keep on going. Just keep on going. Keep on going. You know what? We have to do the same thing. No matter who it is that comes into our lives when God's told us to do something, who tries to tell us something else, who tries to bring doubt in it, which is distraction, who tries to bring fear into our lives, who tries to bring, you know, all these other things into, well, you know, somebody else's experience was this, this, and this. That's just that's an attempt to get you off what God's got for you. It doesn't matter what somebody's experience is. It doesn't matter what happened to them. It matters what God told you it matters what he told you to do and how he told you to that's what matters. And that's the only thing that matters. You stay the course and don't get off track. In uh, Acts 21:11, go with me over there. Hallelujah. We find where the, the prophet Agabus took Paul's girdle You know, and and bound his own hands with him and said, Thus saith the Holy Ghost, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owns this girdle and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Now, when we heard these things, both we and they of that place besought him not to go to Jerusalem. And Paul said, What mean ye to weep and to break my heart? For I am ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, Agabus was not trying to talk him out of it, he was just informing him. But the rest of these people were trying to talk him out of it. But Paul kept his focus. He said, nope, I'm going. I don't care. I'm going. You know, I probably thought to himself, well, it's kind of nice to know. I know what to expect. I know what's ahead of me. Thank you, Lord, for that, for that uh, revelation that, that uh, I'm going to face this, and so I'll, I'll be prepared for it. I'll be ready for it. But he refused to be distracted by the news of trouble. You know the Bible tells us that if you're in this world, you're going to have persecution. You're going to have there's going to be tests. There's going to be trials. We don't need to be distracted by that. We just need to say, "Thank God, He's already made the way." See, there's a way to pull yourself back into focus here. He's already made the way. Whatever comes my way, God has already made a way out of it, and that's really what matters to me. Um, in Matthew twenty-two f- five, um, well, actually, it was Luke. Let's start in Luke fourteen sixteen. The companion is Matthew. Luke fourteen sixteen. It's the parable of a certain man who made a great supper and bade many. And it says here in verse seventeen, he sent a servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, come for all things are now ready. And they all made one consent, began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground and I must go pay for it and see it. Who buys property without seeing it? I pray have me excused. And another said, "I've bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I may. I pray have me excused." Who buys? Who buys a car? This is the oxen. Who buys a used car without going to check it out? Really? And uh, here's verse twenty. Another said, "I've married a wife, and therefore I cannot come." <laughs> oh, you can meddle a lot right there. I've married a wife. I, I just can't come. Was he hand-pecked already? (laughs) What? I mean, come on. Having a wife is a good thing, but she's not a distraction. She should not be your distraction for doing what God asks you to do. When He gives you an invitation to come do something, you shouldn't use use your wifey as the excuse not to do it. You know, I I remember when we were well, Pastor was uh, talking to God about going to Rama. He said, "Lord, you know I'm willing." but you got to do something about her. So he wasn't distracted by me. He just said, "God, you have to do something with her. I can't." And so God knew what he was doing, and we wound up there. See, when God's got something for you, you can't use you can't use that other person as an excuse not to do it. Because God if you if you believe God, he can do something with him. Old, you know, stubborn me, he actually was able to do something with me. So, uh it goes on in verse 21. It says, So the servant came showed his lord these things, and the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets, the lanes of the city, and bring in the hither, the poor, the maimed, the halt, and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as you have commanded, and yet there is room. The lord went out into the, said to the servant, Go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say unto you not, that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. Listen, if you're, if you're easily distracted, you will never taste the good things of God never the companion verses of that was in Matthew 22 5 we just won't go there but in it I I made a note here that said that they made light of it they made light of the invitation they had received you know it doesn't matter what God asks us to do what he tells us to do what he leads us to do if he asks you to do it it's important if he leads you to do something it's important. Just like Veronica was talking about tonight. You know, if, if he led her to pray for that school, she may not understand why she's praying for that school. But in the end, she sees the results of praying for that school. You know, you, you, can't, you can't ever gauge the enormity of the prayers that they've prayed this school year over those children. You know, there might have been prayers that they prayed out on, on one particular morning that meant life or death to one of those children. That might meant the destiny that God has for them would be fulfilled. It might mean that there's somebody that God will call into the ministry amongst those children. It's not just a matter of test scores. There's more to it than that. So you don't know the enormity of something very small that seems like, I don't know what what this is ever going to do. What can it possibly produce? What does it really matter? It's not up for you to decide. And it's not necessary that God tell you. It just is necessary that you do what he's asked you to do. Hallelujah. Um, Proverbs 4.20 says, Attend to my words, incline your ear to my saying, let them not depart from your eyes, keep them in the midst of your heart. Basically saying in this situation, what I'm talking about tonight is you need to put blinders on. Just like they used to put blinders on a horse to keep them focused, you need to put blinders—spiritual blinders—need to be on. When God has got you in motion to do this particular thing, you need to set yourself so that this is what you see. This is all I see. I'm not going to look around here. I'm just going to. I'm just going to keep my eyes forward. You know, I'm, I'm, we're all kind of like that. When we're focused on something, you just—you don't see anybody or anything. Ever had somebody come to you at church and say, "You walked right past me," and said. And didn't say a word because you were focused on getting maybe to somebody, you know. That Lord has said, You need to go talk to them. I mean, I do that all the time. I, I, I'm looking for somebody, and so that's my goal is to go find that person, you know, before they get away from me. Go find them. And, and when I do that, somebody will always say, Well, you just ignored me. Well, no, I was, I'm sorry, I was focused on getting to some certain thing, getting to a certain place, getting to a certain person. You know, and, and that's the way we need to be when God's got something in it. You know, he's assigned us something. It's just to put our blinders on and just become oblivious to the things that are all, are all around us and just move toward he, what he's told us to move to. Uh, Isaiah 50 verse 7, the prophecy about Jesus said, He set his face like flint. I like that. He set his, he hardened his countenance, so to speak. So that he was focused on exactly what his assignment was while he was here. Not to be distracted. You know, there's so many things. I I look at Jesus' life and I think, how did he manage to go through all of that? I mean, he knew so many people. And he cared about people. And there were things that would happen around him, like when John the Baptist was beheaded, like when Lazarus died. You know, that how, how did he keep his focus during those times? He mourned his cousin, and yet he maintained his focus. For Lazarus, he was not sad because he knew what was ahead. He knew what was, he was going to do. He was going to go, he was going to raise him up. But yet there was all, all, all kinds of other people that we don't know anything about that were in his life. That he, he had to maintain his focus in spite of what these people, the pull that they may have put on him. You know, you have to, you have to understand today that when God is planning and orchestrating your steps, the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. When he's orchestrating your steps, you cannot be pulled aside by anybody. By anybody. No matter who they are. You have to keep your focus there. Uh, In Acts 6, go with me there. This is important. In Acts 6, it says, In those days when the number of disciples, this is verse 1, were multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected or overlooked in the daily ministration. That's the distribution of funds. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, it is not fitting, not reasonable, it's not right, that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. That word leave really in the New King James says, neglect the word of God. See, the enemy would like for you to neglect the word. And here what we find, there was strife in the church because everybody got their attention off something that was natural instead of keeping their attention on what was spiritual. Spiritual. And yet they had, a, they had a way that they worked it out. You know, that's what's wrong with a lot of church splits is people get their eyes on natural things instead of keeping their eyes on spiritual things. That's what the enemy does. He brings in a distraction. You know, the, one the, the church that we uh, we were in when I was a teenager and, you know, where, where I met pastor, you know, there was a building program going on. And it came, down, came time to pick out the colors for the auditorium. And so there was a church vote on whether we do Dusty Rose or whether we do Teal. And it became contentious. I mean, really, I mean, if that's not a distraction, I don't know what is. Come on, people, it's just the color of the chair, for Pete's sake. And yet there, there arose such a dispute over the dumb color of the chairs that people really got upset with one another. You know, and if it had gone on for very long, it could have caused a brand-new church to split again. And, you know, I suspect that that's the kind of silliness that happens in most church splits. People get distracted and, and waylaid by nonsense, by things that really aren't important. And and this that's the kind of thing that happens. But, you know, here in, in Acts, they found a, re, uh, a resolve to that. In the, the parable of the sower, Mark 4, you know this. We've talked about it so many times about the things, the kind of things that happen. In uh, verse 18, it says, These are they which are sown among thorns, such as, hear the word, and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things enter in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. You can see the distractions right here. Cares of this world. Mental pressure, worry, anxiety, deceitfulness of riches, pursuing money instead of pursuing God. See, when God brings something into your life, he's wanting to put something into you. He's not wanting to subtract anything. Don't ever let the blessing that God brings into your life be the very avenue that the enemy will use to distract you and pull you out of the things of God. And it happens with frequency. Because somehow now, you know, Life, life. You know, though this business that God gave me is going to fall apart if I don't work Wednesday nights. Oh, this business God's given me now, it'll all fall apart, and, and, it, and it, won't, it won't amount to anything if I don't if I don't take this Sunday and I and I do this and this and this and this and this and this and this. The deceitfulness of riches, the lust of other things entering in, choke the word. All these distractions. Well, there's all kinds of distractions out there. There are relationships that are distracting. There are school issues that are distracting. Listen, I I know that there's there's a good place for more jobs and and more promotions at work. If you get a, a higher degree, that you go on to something else. But I have to really say that I appreciate some of the people in this church who have gone on for degrees of some kind and did not let it interfere with serving God. There are people who've, who've stayed up. I remember, I remember one lady who was in nursing school. She was an adult with grown children, and she went back to nursing school, never missed a service. And there were times when she, I said, how do you do this? She goes, well, I have to study a lot, you know, like late at night. And I said, how do you manage that? She goes, well, sometimes I have to just stand up in my kitchen with my books so that I won't go to sleep. But she never missed church, not once. Um, I've had another another person who was in med school who later came back and said, Pastor, I'm sorry, I could have been there more often while I was in med school, and I just, you know, let other things just just kind of distract me. See, that's not a good enough reason. You can't go to the Lord one day and say, Well, I I could have, but oh you know, oh da da da. No, it was that was something you allowed. See, distractions are something we allow. We allow them. The enemy can bring them, but we allow them to stay. We're the ones who take the bait and go with it. Then there's jobs. We said that again. You know, I, I need to get ahead, so I need to do this, this, and this in my job. And uh, Do you really? You can't believe God for favor? You just be a good employee and do, do what you're asked and go above and beyond? Does it require you taking time away from serving God? To get the promotion that you think you you want? You don't think God's capable of making sure you get that promotion without you having to put all this work into it? No. Uh, Sports. You know, we live in such a danger. I remember we moved to this town, High Springs shut down at noon on Wednesdays. And the bank shut down, most of the stores shut down, the grocery store shut down because it's Wednesday, it's church night. You know, and those years have come and gone. There were never any practices, never any games of any kind on Wednesdays from elementary school all the way to high school. None. And look what the years have brought us. There's no reverence for the things of God. There's no, no, no place for people to say, well, I go to church on Wednesdays. I can't come to practice. Well, if you're going to be on the team, you're going to have to be at practice. They think nothing of scheduling tournaments on Sundays. There's no respect for that anymore. You know, and it's, 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 sports are good for kids. I, I, there's a lot of things that are, that are great about it. But is it going to be the answer to their life? Is it going to be, provide the answers when, when things get tough in life? Is it going to provide the answers? No, it won't. So, you know, does God have people in the sports field? Yes, he does. But you know what? I, I believe God always makes way. You know, even in, the, in that, you know, to accommodate somebody being able to serve him. Then there's just other people. There's illnesses. There's financial projects. I found out that sometimes that, that a major illness comes into in a, in a person's life as a distraction. Because if you ever have ever suffered any kind of major illness in your life, what the enemy wants you to do is just take that and focus on that so much that that's all you think about all the time. I I am in the process of shredding a lot of documents at home so before we move, you know, I don't have to carry so much stuff. And so I was going through 2002 yesterday, and I'm going, my word, you know, all these medical things, you know. I had a stack of medical stuff that tall. And I'm going, dear heavens. So I started going back, and I went down memory lane with this thing. You know, and all the all the, the doctors and the tree that was the year that, you know, I found I had cancer, I had surgery, I had chemo, you know, all these things were going and so all these all these medical bills that I had still in my in my records, you know, just took me down back to that and I'm just going, Dear heavens, two thousand and two was like wow, what a year. Uh, I started off with the, with the cancer in the first of the year. We did the chemo until July. Uh, in the latter part of July, we went to Tulsa, and I thought I was having a heart attack So, because it turned out to be just a result of the, some of the chemo medicines. Uh, so we had to go through all the testing for all that kind of stuff. In September, I broke my foot. Um, then something else came up later in the year, and I'm going, what a year that was. I would forgotten all about that. And I looked at that, and I thought, today, I thought, you know what What the enemy meant for distraction? He did not know. He did not know that because of what I needed to be doing here at the church, that was the year we were finishing up building this place. There was a lot of things to do, a lot of things to pick out, a lot of things to shop for, a lot of things that cured me of my shopping bug, folks. It really did. I just don't care whether I ever shop again. You know, because I had to go find so many things during that year. But I'm thinking, what he planned to, d- to use as, as a distraction from keeping what I needed to do, what he didn't understand was what I needed to do kept me from being distracted by the illness. See, that's the whole thing. God wants you to make sure that you take what the enemy intends for a distraction and build on what he's already told you to do. You know, it works together. It really does. And I look back on that and go, you know, it didn't seem like it was all that bad back then because I was too busy doing what God wanted me to do to be concerned about that. And so the devil just blew it. Totally. Just totally blew it. Um, There is, I'm going to have to scan down through here real quick. Uh, Keeping your eyes where it needs to be. Listen, this is... um, Here's a story I ran across. Does anybody know who Florence Chadwick is? She's a swimmer, a distance swimmer. And I found this story about her. It says that she failed her first attempt to swim the Catalina Channel because of dense fog. And this is a 26-mile swim. So the dense fog had set in, and she quit. What she didn't know at the time was she was only a mile from shore, one mile. So later, she said that it was not being able to see the land that made her stop. I mean, she had lost track of where she was. She couldn't see land. She had nothing to focus on. And so later, when she attempted the swim, the fog settled in again. But this time, she kept a mental image of the shoreline foremost in her thinking. And that's what kept her going. So... That right there tells me that the thief comes to steal God's vision and God's plan out of our hearts. In order to fight his weapons of mass distractions, we have got to keep our eyes on Jesus. That's where we've got to keep looking at the right thing. Don't let your don't let your spiritual blinders get taken away. But you know what? Sometimes people have a case of spiritual ADD. They can't stay focused on any one thing. God can't keep them focused on, listen, I need you to do this for me. And yet they're running around doing all these other things instead of doing what they're supposed to be doing. See, I fight that battle every Wednesday because it's hard for me to to concentrate on getting a message put together when I've got paperwork on my desk and things that need to be done. It's hard for me to take those and set those aside and focus on what I'm supposed to be focused. See, I, I do the same thing you do. There are times I just realize I got to stop this, you know, and just get my attention where it needs to go. Put my spirit, my blinders on. So if you're fighting the ADD, the spiritual ADD, you need to you need to get your eyes where they need to go. You don't need you know some medication for it. You need the Word. If that's your medication, then great. You look you can look at it that way, Uh, but deal with the things that try to distract you. Keep your focus where it where it should be. Destruct, distraction can bring destruction because it opens you up to more things than are not of God. A simple distraction may not be simple at all. It may be just the opener to something else that's going to draw you further and further and further and further away. God wants you to have his best all times in all things, but you can't let yourself get distracted. our Our attention needs to be on what has God got for me today. And when you find that out, then keep your focus on it. Now, there are there are some things I, I don't want you to misunderstand me. There are times when we're we're so focused on where we need to go that there are times that God will say He'll get, try to get your attention and say, "Okay, just I need, I need you just to do this one thing right here." see that person right there see that person this really is part of your assignment for today don't ignore that when we get in church it's easy to get distracted in church you know we've said so many times sometimes that the during a sermon it's more important what god is saying to you about what's being said than it is what's being said you understand what i'm saying Somebody's preaching, say it's on, on on healing, you know, and, and then God begins to talk to you about an area of your life where you need to maybe make some adjustments that would affect your health. He's talking to you about that. But what he doesn't mean for you is to do while we're in service is to start thinking about, did I turn the oven off? Did I, did I, did I turn the iron off? Uh, what am I going to do tomorrow? What am I going to do about this? Those... The enemy wants to come in and distract you during church. And we need to be aware of that and be on guard against it so that we don't get ourselves in a place where we are taking away instead of adding to a service. God's got a plan, just like Pastor's been talking about. There's a plan and a purpose for every single service, and we need to be conscious of the fact that we need to be focused when we come in here, just not in our daily lives, but in the life of our church. Be focused on where we're going and what we're doing. Thankfully, Ms. Veronica said it again, start by coming on Monday night. That'll help you a whole lot to keep your focus where the church is concerned. But anyway, those are just some things. We'll leave out some things. Um, Colossians 3.2 talks about set your affections on things above, not on things of this earth. You know, if you spend too much time in the natural, your focus on the spiritual is gone. The natural things are important, but they're not the most important. And what does it say over there in Matthew? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Keep your focus. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And all these things will be added to you. You'll look around and go, oh, yeah. How about that? Jonathan's testimony tonight is a good example of that. His family moved for a particular reason, and God Added. They kept their focus straight. They didn't. They didn't dwell on on all this other stuff. But God added it to them. See, there's a place for it. If you'll keep your focus, God will add to you. And um, and it's a ploy of the enemy in every area of your life. If you start to th- stop to think about how often distractions come to us, and re- if you if you if you'll identify it, you'll know that it's happening more often than you think. And once you identify it, you can deal with it. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching.